Welcome to the Northgate Church Podcast from the heart of Chester in the UK. There is something taking place amongst you as a people that's a beautiful work of grace. The very fact that this room has a different composition of people than when we were here in the autumn speaks of God's grace. Who would have thought that in Chester that he would draw the nations? But that is his good plan and purpose. That this city represents what he's doing in the nations. And if he's reaching the nations in and from this city, can I prophesy to you it's no longer church as usual? Because he really is looking for a people who are willing, yielded. It has never, ever been my church. It is his church. And he will do whatever he wants because it all belongs to him. And as as we align our hearts to say, like Jesus, not my will, but your will be done then the Holy Spirit can blow and we can move with him in what he wants to do. And so, for a number of weeks I've been praying for you and God has given me a word from scripture of identity that he wants me to declare over you. This is how the Lord sees you as a company. I want to read two verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you want to turn to the scriptures with me, you're free to do so. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Of course, this was originally spoken of by the Apostle Paul into that city of Corinth, which amazingly itself was really multicultural and multiracial. And God is speaking it into you today in this place. Verse 2, Paul says, This represents the heart of God for you. For I am jealous for you. With a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband. So that to Christ... I might present you as a pure virgin. 
But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. These are the words that the Lord has spoken to me to speak to you. Simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. It's now going to be spoken in Farsi. امیدوارم اندک حماقتی را در من تحمل کنید و چنین نیست کرده اید. من غیرتی خدایی نسبت به شما دارم. زیرا شما را به یک شوهر یعنی مسیح نامزد ساختم تا همچون باکره پاک دامن به او تقدیمتان کنم. اما بیم دارم همان گونه که هوا فریب هیله ما را خورد شما نیز از سرسپردگی صادقانه و خالصی که مسیح دارید منحرف شوید. The pure virginal bride that is devoted to him. And he has chosen people from all sorts of places, brought them to himself, and he is in the process of transforming us to be this beautiful bride. I have not spoken to Marge about the things that I had in my heart that God was dropping into me. But she hit the nail on the head again this morning when she talked about Esther. And in Eastern culture, the husband would lavish his wealth and gifts upon his bride would say, up to half my kingdom. Of course, in the West here, we would give an engagement ring, which is great, and we'd give a wedding ring, which is great, but the Eastern mindset is over the top. And so for Esther, it was oils and perfumes and all sorts of lady products which us guys know very little about <coughs> lavished on her and then there was the gold that would keep coming so that she was braided in gold and then there was the clothing the cloth which was just so beautiful to which she would dress herself so that as a bride, she was utterly glorious and resplendent. And this is what Jesus does for us, his bride. Men, get with it. You're part of the bride, okay? Adjust. And he has poured out his shed blood like we've been singing beautifully this morning to cleanse us, to purify us, 
to make us clean before him. And then he lavishes upon us who he is, his very nature. He pours on us and he gives us robes, robes of righteousness instead of filthy rags so that we can stand in robes that come from him. And we are carrying the perfume of Holy Spirit that we can pass on to others, receiving more of him this morning, more of the perfume of the Spirit. And he intends to have a bride that is pure and devoted to him as he is devoted and pure to her. God is not into unequal marriages. The bride will be as glorious as her groom. This is our calling. Not for ourselves, but for his glory and for the benefit of everyone around us. What we have been given, we freely give away to others. Have you noticed I haven't said anything negative about you? And I'm not going to. Because there's nothing negative in the heart of our lover Jesus toward us. He loves us and died for us to cleanse us and to bring us into the fullness of who he is. And for us to be able to enter into the fullness of what he has for us, we have to learn to do it his way. This is his way. He is the initiator. We are the responders. He initiates. We respond. He is agape. He is love. Pure, divine, beautiful love that surpasses every other kind of love. There is nothing impure in his love. It never seeks its own. It is utterly pure and devoted. And this word agape is really rare in the Greek writings. And the, by the direction of the Holy Spirit, the New Testament writers took a hold of this word that was so rare in Greek literature and revealed it to the people. This is the love of God. It's agape. 
superior to every other kind of love. John takes this word and says, it's not that we love God. He first loved us. He takes the initiative. He is agape, and we are agapetos, the beloved. So my responsibility is not to initiate stuff. It is to respond to his initiative. This, under, this understanding has changed my life. In the morning, I don't come to God trying to give him something any longer. Because I understand he is the initiator and I am the responder. It's not that it's wrong to give something to him, but the way this relationship works is he initiates, I respond, I first of all open my heart to receive. He loves before I love him back. Started for me nearly 10 years ago. Our youngest son married a beautiful German girl. They live in Germany. We went to visit him, and Anne Chris, who is our daughter in law, had been given for her as a wedding gift from a prophetic artistic friend. who had written on parchment in beautiful calligraphy a scripture that was on the framed and on the wall of their lounge. I had sung songs about this scripture for most of my life and I really just didn't get it. And it's from a bit of an obscure book that most of us don't turn to because of the challenge of reading it, the book of Lamentations. And, and this was on the wall and it caught my eye and I felt the Lord saying, I want you to sit in front of it and look at it. So every morning, we were there for a number of days, while everybody was in bed, I would sit in front of this beautiful writing that was on a parchment. This I recall to mind. Therefore, I have hope. The loving kindnesses 
plural? Oh, I'm just overwhelmed already. There's just more than one loving kindness. The loving kindnesses of the Lord never cease. His compassions, they never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 to 24, if you want to check it out. The Lord began to say, I want you to receive from me every single morning that you wake up because I have so much to give you. Stop coming to give. I want to give to you. And not just one aspect of loving kindness. I have many loving kindnesses that I want to pour to you. And he was beginning to readjust my faulty Western mentality that it was all about my activity. He wasn't wanting what I could bring to him. He was merely wanting intimacy with me. Activity can be the enemy of intimacy. Martha tells us that. She's running around cooking food that Jesus never asked for. And then getting upset because her sister isn't helping her to do the things that Jesus never asked her to do. But all he wanted to do all the time is her for, for her to sit in a place of intimacy at his feet. Intimacy completely overwhelms activity. It's not that activity is wrong. But can I say in the, in the natural world and in the spiritual world, fruitfulness always follows intimacy. God isn't looking for activity. He's looking for intimacy that brings fruitfulness. Yes. It's not what I'm doing for him. It's what he's doing for me. He takes the initiative. So those few days in Germany began to reorientate my life. Every single morning, my heart turns to him. Different things, different days, but my heart turns to him to receive who he is and what he wants to give. And his compassions, 
in the Hebrew from the tenderness and the kindness that a mother has to a newborn baby. In fact, the root word refers to her womb. I, I, I have, I've never carried a child. I'm not a woman. Therefore, I can't fully understand. But I have seen the way that Marge has operated towards our children and the tenderness that a mother has to a newborn baby. This is how I am treated by my Heavenly Father, by Jesus, by Holy Spirit. And so I learn to allow my inner world to be rearranged and transformed by heaven's realm. Beloved, every day he wants to pour into you. He does not want you to be misshapen by society. He does not want you to be corrupted by the enemies and truths that he speaks to you because you are to be pure and devoted to who he says you are. And so I'm inviting you to come on this journey that I'm on of every morning opening your heart to the lover of your soul who wants to pour in the loving kindnesses and the compassions. And as he does, this is a word for somebody here this morning, maybe more than one. As you receive, it's going to bring hope into your life. And hope is the expectation of eventual good. God is good and he's going to work good in your life. He wants goodness to come to you and it's going to come to you as you receive what he wants to give you of his loving kindnesses and compassions in fact he wants to be your inheritance so that what's in him gets put into you that will bring you hope because he's the God of all hope and this is the transformation that's taking place that Heaven is being poured in to the inside of our hearts, into our very lives and being, because he wants to make us in his image to be like him. And he loves you too much to leave you where you are. He loves you where you are. He adores you, but he's not prepared to leave you where you are. He wants you to have encounters he wants you to have many, many, many encounters. He wants you to understand the joy of receiving from him as he pours into you what is in his inner world. Every morning, position yourself. 
It's not that you can't receive it midday or in the afternoon or in the evening, but I'm saying develop a practice of receiving. I have learned how to drink. So that when I need to, what's in this bottle has now become a part of me. I open up so that what is in this bottle becomes transferred into my inner being. The Lord wants his bride to learn to open up to him vulnerably on the inside so that vulnerably he can pour who he is into us on a regular basis that constantly he's given himself to us and that we are not letting days go by where he's not pouring himself into us. He takes the initiative we respond. Now, when he does pour in, isn't it true that we get overwhelmed and say, I love, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you? Of course. But it's not because I'm having to say it or I'm willing myself, I am responding to what he's poured into me. It's a love affair. The story of a universe is a love affair. Of the purest form of love, agape. So I just want to come on to a second part that really became clear to me last year. And when your eyes get open to something, you then see it all the time. Last year, in January, we met with some friends and they said, or he said, the, the gentleman, this book has been such a blessing to us. I, I, I want to give it to you and recommend it to you. The book is by John Eldridge, Getting Your Life Back. And he talks about the stresses of life that he's gone through and how we need to recover the kind of life that God has for us. It's his life. And one of the things he talks about in this rhythm of recovering life is this statement, I give everyone and everything to you. And the scripture that backs it up is this beautiful scripture in 1 Peter 4, uh, sorry, 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Casting all your 
cares or anxieties or worries on him because he cares for you. But it's a deliberate thing that we have to do. And he talks about the importance of having this as a way of life, especially you do it when you're appreciating the anxieties that you carry and realizing Jesus is to carry them. But what really opened up to my mind is so often I have carried negativities to the next day and it's illegitimate. And of course, negativity essentially comes from the enemy. He is the father of lies. He seeks to accuse you and he seeks to condemn you. But the reality is, beloved, there is no condemnation in Christ. So we need to wise up to what he does so that we don't participate in his diabolical desire to bring us into a lesser of a place than the Father and Jesus intends us to live in. Negativity no longer belongs to me. Neither should it belong to you. I'm not to receive it. I'm not to be shaped by it. It's no longer mine. Jesus died for it and he took it upon himself. And if it belongs to him, then it doesn't belong to me because he took that negative stuff and gave me his righteousness and his peace and his joy. And I take what belongs to me and give to him what belongs to him. And when you put it like that, it seems so obvious, but the enemy stupefies us by his malevolent activities so that we are completely confused about what's going on. And it's the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus that the Holy Spirit is bringing us back to. Hear me. Jesus hasn't got a negative word to say to you today. Which means if you're hearing a negative word, it didn't come from him. But he wants to speak words of affirmation, words of true identity, Words of love, words of encouragement by his spirit. And he's wanting us all to grow up so that we participate with him in responding to the initiatives he's taken toward us to bring us into a level of relationship where we live like him. He didn't shed his blood so that we could go to heaven. He shed his blood so that we would become like him on earth. And this works right in the circumstances of our lives. You don't have to go to a monastery to get this, okay? Or any other religious place. 
because his spirit has come to dwell in us, we are now the dwelling place of God. We are the place where he lives in the earth. And it's in our circumstances that he wants to prove himself who he is to us and pour himself into us, not in the rarefied atmosphere of going away to the Bahamas for two weeks, but in Chester of all places, he wants to prove himself who he is for us in us and through us. The cookies have arrived. Fabulous. <laughs> so there again, God speaks to me in the midst of circumstances. God is for me in the midst of circumstances. And sometimes those circumstances may, may not be pleasant. So we, we arrived here yesterday, having come from Scarborough, across the Pennines, and we were meeting with Gerald and Lynn and two precious brothers, and right before they arrived, for us to have a cup of tea together, we got a message from our daughter-in-law that our oldest son, who was playing rugby that afternoon, yesterday afternoon, had been knocked out unconscious on the rugby pitch. And she was ringing us from an ambulance that was blue lighting them to the nearest hospital where he works in A&E, by the way. So he's going to see his colleagues, but he's out cold and he's not responding because of some infraction on the rugby field. And right in that moment, we have a choice. Do we panic? Do we get anxious? Do we start fretting? Or do we receive who Jesus is for us in that moment? Because he is the Prince of Peace. And his peace shows up in the middle of storms. And the Lord is warning by his spirit to instruct us that even in times of storms, the lover of our souls is with us and wants to give himself. He wants to initiate the pouring of himself into us so that we can receive from him and then live like he does. And honestly, I'm just so proud of my wife because she says to me, I choose peace. And without going into a rehashing of history, it's just important to say she's not always been this way. But here is a learning how to live like he lives. There is a learning to receive who he is so that we can respond like he does. 
Do I do this all the time? No, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm still in this development of coming from one glory to a, a higher degree of glory as I behold him. But if I keep beholding him, it helps me to keep on track with this growth into greater glory. And you're too awesome to live like you once did. How can you if you're new creations? How can you, if you've been born from above and the Holy Spirit is resident within you, you can't just be ordinary by grace. You must be all that God has called you to do as you cooperate with his spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we are honoring your presence right now. We say thank you for speaking to Heather. Thank you for Heather's obedience to bring your word into this gathering this morning that you want to come and you want to come again and again and again. And we position ourselves to cooperate with you. Right where you are, I'm just asking you right now to simply open up your inner world to his inner world. That where there has been dispeace, where there has been anxiety, where there has been emotional turmoil, I'm simply asking you to open up your inner world to what is his inner world that he might speak peace in the middle of the storm. I'm inviting you to open up your heart to his pure agape love that you might be loved for who you are as he pours his life into you. For you that need it in this room and to all that are hearing my voice, I say open up your inner world to the hope that is in God. The God of all hope wants to give you a better future and a future that's filled with his goodness and I say, receive hope in the midst of your circumstances, because in hope, God will work all things together for good. <laughs> Father, I just ask for this precious body that every day, that they would turn their hearts to you to receive, first of all. That in receiving, they should be enriched. That in being enriched, they will give glory and the praise would come so easily. But that they would be transformed in their inner person so that they might pour you out in the classroom, 
in the office, in the workplace, in the community, in every setting that you send them, that you would be poured out because you're so filling them, they're overflowing. Finally, I prophesy over you to say negativity does not belong to you. Therefore, learn to deal with negativity because it does not come from above. Negativity about yourself or about anybody else is not your friend. It's a destroyer of your soul. Therefore, identify negativity and believe the truth. Partner with Holy Spirit as he brings encouragement and faith and hope into your heart. Denounce negativity. Embrace the reality of truth that you may walk in the light and pour this light and life out to all those around you. Northgate community, I bless you to go on a journey of adventure that in six months' time you will look back and not recognize yourself. In Jesus' name. Coming up, babe. Is this on? Oh, yeah. this on. Um, I just want to, just on a practical note, when Ian said, I said, I choose peace, and he said, I wasn't always like that. I wasn't. And throughout the evening, you know, the enemy will try and assault you with thoughts, and I have to stop myself being at my son's funeral, because, you know, that happens, doesn't it? Those thoughts. And I just have to keep going, I choose peace. But also, I refuse to partner with fear. And the opposite is fear is love. So no, I fear I will not partner with you. I recognize you. I will not partner with you. I partner with love that casts out fear. And love never fails. God is love and God heals. And he is the prince of peace. But it is a practice. So it didn't just happen that once in, in the afternoon. I had to keep going. No, I choose peace. I choose his love. I choose that he is my son's healer. And by the way, all his scans were clear. He's in hospital because he, he's very drowsy, but um, a medic friend said he just needs his tissues to calm down. But I actually texted him and said, I've had the whole world praying for you, and I'm glad that you're more alert this morning. And he doesn't like a fuss. And actually, the fact that he could text me and he said... I'm fine. I've just got a headache. Thank you, Jesus. Because that shows he's coming back because he doesn't like a fuss. <laughs> but just to encourage you, it takes practice. And this book that Ian recommended, if you're not a theologian or an academic, which I'm not, this book is a wonderful read as well. And it's all about learning to pause in the busyness. And there's an app that he's developed that can go with it. You can get it on the app store and it's called the One Minute Pause. And there's some music playing, but he just encourages you and he's saying it and it's just great. He's going, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. And he says it a few times and he says, so that I might have union with you. And it's only a minute. And then he goes, 
that's it. That's enough for now. So it's a really simple app, but it's beautiful. And then I just get a reminder throughout the day to take another one-minute pause and give everything and everyone to him. And then you can get a three-minute pause and a 10-minute pause and all that. But just to encourage you practically how to choose peace and to live in it, and it is a practice. And I am a work in progress, but I'm making progress, and so are you. Thanks for listening to the Northgate Church Podcast. Find out more at northgate.org.uk or find us on social media by searching Northgate Church Chester.